I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to Stepping Up, the podcast where we explore all things organisation, mental health, routines, personal development, motherhood and health. I'm your host, Steph Pace, and I'm the woman behind Just Another Mummy blog and also the founder of Steph Pace Planners. But I can assure you this is not just another podcast. Online, I'm known for my organisation tips and tricks and the occasional banter, but it definitely wasn't always this way. I used to be a hot mess and occasionally still am, and I'm here as your honest and real friend each week to show you how I turn my life of chaos into clarity. Between the house, health, kids, work, and wanting to be the best version of yourself, it can be overwhelming. And I'm here to give you the tools and tips to stop you feeling like a slave to your daily tasks, home, life, and especially the expectations you have on yourself. Join me as I share my journey and insights into the art of balancing it all and speak to guests who can help us all live a better life. Whether you're looking to streamline your daily routines, boost your well-being, achieve your fitness goals, dive into personal development, or find inspiration to step up into the best version of yourself, we've got you. So are you ready to step up your game? Let's go. Hello, guys, and welcome to the very first episode of the Stepping Up podcast. I cannot believe I'm doing this right now. I can't tell you how long I've wanted to create my own podcast and just be able to connect with you guys on such a deeper level. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Steph Pace. I'm the woman behind a few different platforms such as Just Another Mummy Blog. Okay, I hate that name. I actually came up with that name as a joke, which you'll learn a lot more about later on, but basically made that name when I had my first daughter, Harper, because there were so many mummy blogs out at the time. So I thought it was funny and now I'm stuck with it. <laughs> Anyway, so I'm the lady behind Just Another Mummy blog on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all the platforms. I'm also the founder of Steph Pace Planners, which is an organization stationary brand, which I absolutely love and you'll know why soon. And I'm also the mum of two girls, Harper and Willow, who are five and seven, seven going on 19. It's terrifying. And the wife of Ryan. So if you guys don't know me, this is going to be a bit of a crash course into the world of Steph Pace because honestly, over the years, I've been online, I think for seven years now, and it can be really hard to connect with you guys on a deeper level. And there's just so much to my story, which I haven't been able to delve into because, you know, with Instagram, you only got like 30 seconds, you see a quick snapshot into someone's life. And then, you know, I have my YouTube fan, which I absolutely love, but I just have so much to share. And I'm really excited for this podcast because this is all about stepping up. It's going to be about stepping up into your best self. It's going to be all about organization, routines, motherhood, mental health, personal development, so much goodness. And I'll be bringing on some really amazing guests along the way. Ryan will be the first one. He'll be on next week. So excited who are experts in their field to help you step up to be your best self. So not only have I started this because I want to connect with you guys on a deeper level, it's because I know firsthand what it's like to feel truly overwhelmed with life and the things you have to do and achieve for yourself. It feels as though like you're on a hamster wheel of life and you just want to get off or you're tearing yourself apart from all the things you think you didn't do that day. And if the day just feels like a blur of repetitive tasks that you don't really love, And that's why I'm here to help you guys out. 
I want you to think of me as your big sister or your best mate who's in your ear every week. Because one of the biggest lessons I've learned through some of the hardest moments of my life is that life is short and we need to not only just exist, but live. And I want you to ask yourself, have you been existing or living? Because I know for a fact, for years, I've been on autopilot, just surviving, just existing. And that's one of the biggest things I've found I struggle with is that I'm not truly present. And it might be because I have anxiety. It might be because I have a busy brain. But, you know, being present is one of the hardest things that we all strive to do. And you don't want to one day wake up and you're 80 years old and you realize you've rushed your way through your life. We're always yearning for the next best thing, for the next best goal. And although it is so good to visualize and have goals, you need to be living in the present. And I'm here to tell you that not only can you be present and actually living, it is actually possible for you to live and thrive. You can wake up one day and just not be an asshole to yourself and you can be excited for the day ahead. You can get off that hamster wheel and you can step up into who you were truly meant to be. And that, my friends, is why I started the Stepping Up podcast. Now, there is a big misconception about me, guys. A lot of people, you know, you go on my Instagram, everything's organized. The pantry have labels on everything. You see these cute routines. But little... Do you know, I am a former hot mess. I'm still a hot mess on many occasions, but my life was very chaotic. My mind was very chaotic. And I want to show you guys how I went from chaos to clarity and just to show you how you can too in your life. So this first episode is going to be a bit of a crash course into parts of my life and some things you guys can expect from this podcast to come because there's just so much value to come. And I'm just so, so excited to share this with you guys. So let's rewind the the clock a little bit and go back to my childhood where it all began. So if you follow me on Instagram, you might know a couple of these things, but I've never really gone in depth and I will be going more in depth into future episodes because if I tell you my whole life story here, it will go forever. And there's a lot of lessons to learn from different parts of my life. Basically, I am 32, so 1990 I was born, the best year ever, (laughs) and I grew up in a household with my mum, my dad, my brother, and my nan. So, you know, there is no standard family, but it was a little bit different for us. My brother has quite severe disabilities. He has autism and Down syndrome, and from day dot, that really did teach me to be so open to everybody in every situation, and I do really believe that So my brother's name's Adam. If I didn't have Adam, I would be a very different person today. So it is a very different childhood growing up with a sibling with a disability. Um, It makes you more independent. It makes you, you know, more caring, more open. But it does put a lot of strain and pressure on the families. And honestly, I couldn't imagine what it was like for my parents. So my parents didn't actually know that my brother had Down syndrome until he was born. And back then they didn't know a whole lot about it. And typically a lot of people with Down syndrome do have heart issues, but very luckily Adam didn't. However, when he was born, the doctor basically told my parents he wouldn't live to be two. And now he's 33, sorry, 34, he's a year older than me. And I feel like he's healthier than me as well. He actually started talking pretty well in the early years until he got to about I think it was two, two and a half. He started saying words. He'd call me Bubba and say like up above the door and just he actually did pretty good. And then unfortunately he got very severe autism and then he stopped speaking. And I just couldn't imagine 
the pain of, you know, not only you find out they have Down syndrome and you've got, you know, the therapies to go to and all these things, but then he actually stopped talking. And even to this day, I can't really bring myself to watch old family videos of him and I when we were really little and he'd call me like Baba because I um, I don't remember him talking and, you know, it's it's quite difficult. Like I guess to give some context, a lot of people with Down syndrome, they live very independent lives, they have relationships, they go out and get jobs, all those amazing things. And I just I remember when I used to go to Sydney for makeup school on the train, I'd always see this gentleman who had Down syndrome and he'd like get on the train from work and I used to get so emotional about it. But unfortunately, with my brother's severe autism, he has, I guess, the mentality of a three to four year old. So as he got older, he can take himself to the toilet and things like that. But it's, yeah, basically looking after a three or four year old in an adult body. <laughs> I also remember growing up before I went to primary school, I just assumed no one's brothers could talk. Like I thought it was just a normal thing because I didn't know any different. So I assumed that yeah, like no one's brothers could speak and it was just normal. And then I remember starting kindy and then seeing siblings and like kids talking about their brothers and sisters and I remember like my heart just broke because I was like, oh, why don't I get that? And I even remember one year, I think I was in year two, you could write in a letter to Santa and my letter, the only thing I asked for was for my brother to talk. It was the only thing I wished for every single year. Sorry, it gets me really emotional. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just one of those things. And, um, you know, I wouldn't change him for the world, but it sucks. It really sucks. So for me growing up, that was actually quite tough because I did feel like although I had my sibling, I truly felt like I was an only child. And my dad was my brother's main carer. So, you know, growing up, I was closer to my dad when I was younger and then I became more not into, not to a woman, but as, you know, girlies get into the girly things and I think he was a bit like awkward because he's got four brothers. He's probably like, what do I do with this girl? And then my mum had a lot of battles with her own mental health as well. But, you know, my nan, who was her mum, she lived with us since before I was even born. She'd take me to school every day and she had the hardest, hardest upbringing. She lost her husband at a very young age. She lost her parents at a very young age. She was pulled out of school to work on a farm. And although she had so much trauma throughout her upbringing, she had the most positive outlook on life. She always saw the positives in everything. And I truly believe, you know, she had this silliness about her. And if you see me in my YouTube vlogs, you'll see, especially when I'm around the team at work with Steph Face Planners, I have a team of like oh, 10 to 15 now, which is crazy, but I'm so silly. I'm very distracting. I'm probably the most distracting boss ever. And I think I got that from her because she was just such a beautiful human and I truly owe my character to her. And my nan basically raised me. She was my, like my mother figure. I still remember getting up at six o'clock every morning, running downstairs and getting into bed with her and watching like aggro and she'd make me French toast. And she just was like the light of my life, like genuinely the light of my life. So I guess that's a bit of a, a background to my upbringing you know, having a brother with severe disabilities obviously put a lot of strain on the family, which is fine. God, like I had a roof over my head and everything like that. But as a child, it's hard to understand. And there was a lot of times growing up where I was bullied for my brother because obviously I'm going to stick up for him. Adam is like 
my hero. I adore him with everything I have. And then when the other kids, I actually remember this time I was walking home from school and a kid yelled out like, where's your R word, which I don't like to say that word. So he said a horrible term about my brother. Where's your bip brother? And I replied, don't talk about my brother like that. And then I actually got bashed. And there was a lot of times like that where I was physically harmed because of my brother. Because like, obviously I'm going to stand up for him. And it just really woke me up to how close-minded people can be. And it's actually quite sad because, yes, that kid who did, you know, bash me, he didn't know any better and I'm not sticking up for him whatsoever. But, yeah, it just made me, when I became a mother, to be so open and just teach my two girls that everyone's different. You know, the way I explain my brother to my kids is he may look different on the outside, but he's the same on the inside. And it's the same with everybody. You know, people get bullied for looking a certain way. And I think it's just so important to have that awareness. And I'm so glad as a mother, my kids are exposed to their uncle, my brother, Uncle Addy, having those disabilities because now they get it and they're not going to grow up and be potentially that bully. So now let's fast forward a little bit to Steph and Kindy and I was always a really shy little kid and it's something I always knew was I had anxiety and I was actually quite grateful that my mum and the women in my family had anxiety also because they picked it up right away. And, you know, with my parents, mum and dad having to go to a lot of doctor's appointments and be really on top of Adam's health, they did notice that and push for me to go to the doctors. And back then, you know, it wasn't as known. It's nothing like it is now. And I do feel for people so much. You know, I get so many people sending me messages in my inbox saying like they feel like they're having a heart attack when it's an anxiety attack and the people around them just don't understand. So that's something I'm always so, so grateful for from the get go. You know, I could have sat there in kindy class thinking I'm having a heart attack or something, but it's actually the anxiety. So Mum took me to the doctors and things like that. And I was actually obviously diagnosed with anxiety, but also ADD. And that was not very common back then, especially in a female. And now it's more of a blanket term. It's ADHD. And I was always off with the fairies, always daydreaming. My dad used to always say Earth to Steph because I was just always on another planet and I really struggled to concentrate. Um, this all ties into where I am now greatly because there's a reason why I started getting into organization and planning, which you will find out. So yes, always off with the fairies. I had ADD and I even remember in kindy, I would be crying. I was crying to mum, and I said to her, I'm so scared. I'm so scared to go to you six. Mum's like, sweetheart, like that's a very long way away. And I've always been a forward thinker. As I said, I'm not someone who can live in the present. I really struggle. And that is from such a young age and it's just how I've always been. And that's only something, honestly, in the last couple of months from this past year, which has been the hardest year of my life, that I've come to learn how to do. So all through high school, through schooling, you know, I did struggle a little bit. I did need extra assistance, but I did do very well. Like I'm quite proud of myself. I didn't do too bad. Um, when I like something, I hyper-focus on it. So things like reading, I loved writing. I was terrible at math, but yes, I always had that kind of hovering over me, but I am very, very grateful that, you know, mum got onto that really, really quick. Now let's fast forward to young adult Steph. So I'm talking late teens, early twenties. I 
graduated high school and I kind of felt like I had to go to uni because I didn't really know what else to do. I've always been a multi-passionate person. I've always had a lot of different interests. So I went straight to uni. I did media and communications in journalism, which wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. (laughs) I always love writing, but I'm like, I want to write about what I want to write about. And obviously at uni, you have to do the assignments and do the things, but I did really struggle, you know, again, to focus, pay attention. I even had to get extra assistance with things. And that's just something that was, you know, a constant throughout my schooling. I did get good grades, like in year 12, I did get a UAI and now it's called something else, but that's because I did the subjects I was interested in. So I didn't do maths because I suck at maths. I didn't do anything I was bored at because I just would not be able to focus. And again, I would leave everything to the very last second to complete assignments. But yes, I did manage to get into uni, which I was really, really proud of myself for. And yes, journalism just wasn't hitting the spot for me. Later on, I did go into a few different careers because again, I'm a multi-passionate person. But one thing that I really struggled through my teen years and early adulthood was alcohol. And at the time, I didn't realize I was leaning on alcohol to help numb the anxiety and my social anxiety because I did. I thought I was the life of the party for quite a few years, but it's just because I was drinking. And that did follow me through for quite a long time until the last few years. And I was someone, you know, you'd go out, you'd have drinks every weekend from like, I don't know how I did it, honestly, Ryan. Ryan's a bit more of an old man than me. So I like to go out all the time. And he was like, can we just chill? thing. And this is also when I met my husband, now husband, Ryan, we were 17. It was our first party and it was, yeah, literally, I just knew, I just knew he's just an absolute legend. And yes, alcohol was a really big factor in those early years. I could never go to a party. I couldn't really do much without drinking. Even I remember at uni when I'd have to do a speech, I literally would have to go to the uni bar and order myself a large beer because I used to drink beer and scull the beer to be able to do this speech in front of people because I just I just didn't have that confidence in myself. I felt I've always had imposter syndrome and it hasn't stopped now and it's something that everyone struggles with in one way or another. And you can get to somewhere where, you know, you have your own podcast, have a YouTube channel and work with brands and you still have imposter syndrome. So it doesn't stop for everybody. It's something how you have to manage it. So that was something I really, really struggled with. And then I remember when I turned 21, that year, I just absolutely treated my body like a trash can. Actually, years before that. But I was always really lucky. Like growing up, I, you know, was that scrawny, awkward little kid. I actually remind myself a lot of Harper. And, you know, growing up, I'd be able to eat whatever I wanted. And, you know, the scales wouldn't change. Not that I even paid attention. But in one year... I managed to put on 25 kilos. And again, I'm not someone that talks about weight because healthy looks different on everybody. And the problem wasn't necessarily the weight. It was all the health issues I was having because I ended up drinking most days and I was eating noodle box for breakfast. The only liquids I would drink would be Coca-Cola and beer. I literally would not touch water. And I became very, very depressed. I had... I had chronic headaches. I have sleep apnea, so that's another thing I had to struggle with. My mental health took a massive dive and I was just hanging on by a thread at that stage. And to be honest, I was quite oblivious to it. I didn't have any self-awareness at that age. I just kept going through the motions, having noodle box for breakfast, drinking beer and Coke, and that was it until one day, I remember this was after uni, I ended up going to makeup school, one of my other careers. 
And I remember seeing a photo of myself and I was like, oh my goodness. And I just didn't realize how far it went. And then I remember coming home and I said to Ryan, I'm joining the gym. I'm done. I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. And you really do have to get to that point. Unfortunately, you have to hit a low point for you to get that energy and that drive to change. Because otherwise, if you keep pottering along mid-level, it's not really going to motivate you to change. So for me, I had to get to rock bottom. And from there, this is going to be a whole other episode, guys, because my health and fitness journey is a long one, but it's absolutely insane. I've been on both ends of the spectrum. So I went to the gym. I just focused on trying some new recipes. I got a personal trainer and in less than a year, I lost the 25 kilos, but I went too far. And then I went to the other side of the spectrum where restriction was happening. I was more miserable than I was before, to be completely honest, because I wasn't allowing myself to live. And I even went on to do, you know, those bikini comps, you know, like the bodybuilding comps. And a lot of people can do them fine. But for me and my mental health, I have an addictive personality, if you guys can't already tell, hence all the labels and everything in my pantry. So I did, I took, I just took it too far. And that was a whole other journey I went on, you know, from going to complete restriction, going on staging, having this expectation of myself and then going through motherhood. So it was just a whole other journey. And it really taught me about having true balance and what health actually means. Because I feel like everyone looks at health and thinks it's like a cookie cutter look for every single person, whether that is you need to flog yourself at the gym six days a week, do 12,000 steps a day, eat like a rabbit, which I was doing and I was so miserable, absolutely miserable. And then I realized with time that everyone is absolutely different and different phases of your life will dictate how health looks on you and what's best for you. So that was a whole other journey. And I'm really, really excited to get into that episode with you guys because it is a really important one to listen to. As someone like myself who, you know, I fluctuate a lot. I have a very busy lifestyle and I've had this balance for over a decade now. And it's just such a profound thing to have when you finally get it. So I can't wait to get into that with you as well. So let's fast forward a little bit. Ryan and I, we got married and then we decided we wanted to have babies. We were 24 And when I look back, guys, I actually can't believe how young I was. It's funny when you get married, because Ron and I got married at 22. So we were very young. Again, we got together at 17 though. But, you know, you think you know everything at that age. And I was like, yes, let's have babies. So we were super excited, very grateful that we fell with Harper. But one thing I didn't expect was how much motherhood would affect my mental health And obviously that just came off the back of struggling with alcohol, unhealthy habits, and then going into deep restriction with my own health, still not knowing really who I was as a person. Along the way to my life was very chaotic. I was always late to things, ADHD things, and I just didn't have any order or organization in my life whatsoever. And it's funny because a lot of people, as I said, a lot of people think I'm organized, but honestly, when I was a child and growing up, my life was a shit show. I had this shelf in my bedroom growing up, which I kept all my toys on. And it was that messy. My mum came in and she literally hung a shower curtain to hide it because it was so bad. (laughs) So that just gives you a bit of a level of how messy I was. So yes, anyways, I digress. 
we decided we wanted to have babies. And I, yeah, again, I didn't realize how much that would have affected my mental health. I knew that I could possibly get postnatal depression because I already suffered from anxiety, have a very busy mind with my ADHD and things like that. But I just truly didn't realize. And I kind of thought I wouldn't get it, to be honest. I don't know if it's because I was naive at the fact and the thing is you don't, you can't control it. But I was like, in my head, I thought, I want this baby so, so much. There's no way I would be depressed. <laughs> and the thing is, you don't get to choose. You don't get to choose what you get. And so we had Harper and, you know, the birth was one thing. Another thing I'll get into eventually. But, you know, I got postnatal depression so very hard. And I feel like there was a few different factors. And obviously, firstly, I was predispositioning to getting it. And another thing is I had retained placenta. Sorry for those who aren't mums listening to this, but I'm just going to touch on this because I think it's really important. And I also will be going into this in another episode. I got retained placenta, which meant a couple of weeks after I had Harper, we had the really good feeding journey, breastfeeding. It was all good. And then I remember one night, it was three o'clock in the morning and Harper was there screaming for milk and I was empty. And I realized I had retained placenta And that was rough because I had the highest expectations of myself. I told myself, I'm going to be breastfeeding her till she's one, only going to give her organic foods, you know, all the things you tell yourself before you become a parent. And then you actually become a parent and you're like, here's the Maccas, (laughs) here's the iPad. It's, It's just very different. So I feel like because I was so hard on myself, it didn't make it easier at all. So I really struggled for quite a long time and I actually have been on anti-anxiety medication for I think like 12 years now and I was on it back then. I did go off it during my pregnancy and that wasn't because I wasn't allowed to be on it. It's because I had a lot of health anxiety, which I still have now, and that all stemmed from my brother. Seeing my parents go through what they did with Addy and, you know, them doing everything right and I thought to myself, you know, if – it can happen to them. It can happen to me. And of course, I would never change my brother for the world. I absolutely adore him, but it is hard. It's really hard. And I was scared of anything that could possibly harm Harper. I even stopped getting my nails done. I, when I'd go to the hairdressers, it sounds so excessive, but I generally had such a fear of it. So, you know, when I wasn't really able to breastfeed anymore because I had no milk, I punished myself for it because I was like, well, this isn't good enough. And Instead of, you know, just being like, okay, like I had to actually go in and get surgery, DNC when she was only two weeks old, which was really rough. Ryan was always a very hands-on dad though, which I'm very, very grateful for, but it was really hard. And I then ended up pushing myself to even get one feed a day. So I would literally sit on the breast pump for six hours a day instead of sitting there and enjoying my baby or even just trying to get some sleep. It's insane. I wish I could go back and shake past Steph and also give her a massive hug because I was such an asshole to myself. And this is something that's like a reoccurring thing for me in my life. And I feel like so many of us do this, especially when you become a mother, you're just so hard on yourself. But if your friend was going through that, like if I saw my friend on a breast pump for six hours a day to get one measly feed, I would just be like, oh, and I'm really grateful because Ryan ended up grabbing the formula and he, he just was like, this is enough. But it was rough. And I eventually went back on my medication and got it under control again. But it really did shake me to my core. And for someone who, you know, I have to be in control of everything, people who have anxiety, that's how we feel. We feel like we need to be in control and we feel very anxious when we're out of control. 
So becoming a mum, you're not in the driver's seat anymore. And, you know, now you have all these little people, not all of them, had my two little girls looking up to me and I really just want to be setting a good example for them. And I also remember when I had Harper, I also was quite young. So I didn't really have any friends, like none of my friends had children yet. So I felt very lonely. And I still remember the day sitting on the couch covered in milk or stuck on the bloody breast pump for six hours a day. And I just felt so lonely. And I did really want to tap back into that journalism I did at uni and writing because even throughout primary school and high school, I used to write these short stories. And I do genuinely love writing. It's like an outlet for me. So I was saying to Ryan, like, I really want to start like a blog, but I'm too scared. I'm embarrassed. People are going to judge me. And again, Ryan is my biggest cheerleader. He's my biggest supporter. He believes in me more than I believe in myself. And he he said, just go for it, Steph. And back then, like, you know, being on Instagram and kind of sharing your life, it wasn't as common. Like it was happening. There was mummy blogs out there and things like that. And I'll, he pushed, he's like, just do it. So I did it. And I mostly just started sharing and connecting with other mums because I felt really lonely and it was hard. It's hard going through all your first, you know, when your friends aren't going through that too. So I started the blog, started a YouTube channel and all that stuff because I'm like an all or nothing person. Now, many of you may ask, how did I get into organization? And if I was such a mess growing up, how did I even get there? Well, this all started just before we got pregnant with Harper, actually. So we're backtracking a little bit. We moved into our one bedroom unit and we didn't have any space whatsoever. So from there, I had to teach myself tips and tricks on how to maximize on the space we had. And I actually fell in love with the process of it because look, guys, this unit, we had to share the pantry with the linen closet. It was difficult, but I actually really enjoyed the challenge. And from there, it was our first home together. So I really loved the process of making it feel like a home. And there's so much science that links your physical state to your mental state. There are studies that show people who live in cluttered houses, their cortisol levels are so much higher. And look, don't get me wrong, our house turns into a shit show every single day. We're humans. Homes are meant to be lived in. My car turns into a bomb all the time. I'm in no way perfect at all. But having these daily routines and rituals that help you keep on top of the organization and the clutter, it honestly is life-changing. And I realized how much of an effect being organized, using a planner and everything had on my anxiety and my mental health. And that's where I wanted to share it because for me, especially now as a new mom, loving organization, loving the routine, seeing how much it helped me. I wanted to help others. I want you guys to not feel like a slave to your own home and your own life. I'm just so passionate about it because for someone like me, who I'm actually not good at prioritizing, look, I've, I've got ADHD for God's sake. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, now everyone is, you know, getting diagnosed, but it's just so important that you are on top of things like that and, and on top of your mental health and you're kind to yourself. I always thought like I was forgetful. I thought I'm not good with time. I'm just not good at this. I'm not good at that. But that's the narrative we tell ourselves. So if you're sitting there telling yourself, I'm not organized, I'm not healthy, I'm not this or that, you're going to believe it. So when you start saying, I am organized, I am healthy, then you will start acting that way because your mind is so, so powerful. So yes, I started getting into organization. I started sharing everything on my new blog that I had just started and people just absolutely loved it. And also I'm someone I kind of, 
I don't really care how I show up to other people. Like I'm not going to get on there with my hair and makeup done and things like that. And I think it is a refreshing thing to see, especially back in the Instagram days where everything was very perfect. You know, remember all the filters and things? So look, no, I did look, I did use filters, but I felt like I just, I was very honest, very, very honest about my struggles and very, very honest with, yeah, just how I was going from day to day. And then over the years, it honestly just took off and I did not expect for my platform to go where it is now. Now, where does Steph Pace Planners tie in and all this? So <laughs> I've always loved a good planner. I love a good planner. Do you guys remember New York Minute? Jane Ryan had this planner and I saw it and I fell in love with it. And again, I always loved the idea of being organized, but with a chaotic brain, I really struggled to implement it. But it just stuck with me with that planner and I was only a teenager then. And then, you know, fast forwarding, we're in the house we're in now. I'm sharing my organization. Everyone's stuffing their houses, which took over. So if you don't follow me, when I started sharing all these organization hacks, my community came up with this term called stuffing, hence where stuffing up came from. So they're saying they're stuffing their pantries, they're stuffing their spaces. And I absolutely love seeing it. It makes me so, so happy to see when people are able to utilize anything that I can share online to make their lives easier. So from there, I remember the afternoon, I was sitting on the couch and my cousins were over and I said to my cousin, what do you guys reckon about me making a planner? So I'd never made a product in my life. I had no bloody idea where to start. And they said, oh my God, you should do that. And from there... Steph Pace Planners was born. I wish it was that quick. It wasn't. It took a very long time, but unfortunately this episode will go forever if I get into the depths. Again, this is just one of the very few moving parts that make me who I am. So I jot down my ideas of what I wanted in an ideal planner because there's no planners out there with absolutely everything and looked good as well. And that's what I wanted. I wanted a beautiful blush planner. So after a year, it took me a full year. I had to find a manufacturer. We had to design it with my graphic designer create all the content inside it. And I even had to go down to proofing all the dates. Like it was, it was, it was a time. And I still remember announcing it to the community, to you guys. And the response was insane. It honestly was insane. And I even said to Ryan, when I started Steph Pace Planners, it was just going to be a side hustle. I want to do it in the garage. I just really wanted something that was my own as in like a physical product and something that I know would help me so, so much to be able to focus and find clarity, but also help others as well. So things like having the cleaning schedule in there, having a budgeting section, having your brain dumping sections, like everything I needed for me, I wanted to bring to you guys as well. So yes, the plan was to have it in the garage. And I just remember on the first night it sold out in... I think it was like under an hour and I had to restock, restock, restock. Anyway, fast forward, it's been four or five years. We've just moved into our third warehouse because we didn't have enough room for our team. So now I have a team of like 15 staff, 10 to 15 staff, and it's just been a whole other journey, an absolute new journey, especially for someone like myself. I'm such a people pleaser. So then now being the boss of people, that's rough because I just like to hang out with them. But yeah, that is where Steph Pace Planners was born. And there's so much that being, you know, an entrepreneur and a boss has taught me about myself, about being a people pleaser, about, you know, being assertive, but you can also be kind, which I've only just learnt. But it has been such a journey. And there's just so many turning points throughout my life 
that has led me to where I am now. And this next part is a little bit bleak. Well, it's not bleak. It's just a bit sad. This last year has been the hardest year of my life. If you follow me, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. So within 10 months, I lost my dad to cancer. And 10 months later, I lost my nan. So as you could imagine, you know, losing my father and then essentially my mother figure within 10 months absolutely rocked me to my core. It made me question everything. It really, it, there's just, there is no words. There is truly no words. And with dad, we knew he was going to pass and having that anticipatory grief leading up, it just felt like you're waiting for a tidal wave to hit and you just did not know what to do with yourself. And, you know, for someone like me, I had Steph Pace planners going, I'm a mom, I'm a wife. There's just so many different things going on. And it just makes you stop for the first time in your life. And I'm someone, I'm not someone who can sit down and just stop. I'm always on the go, which I found out is like more of a coping mechanism. And it just truly put the world into perspective. And it was for the first time in my life, the first time in my business, I tapped out. I really tapped out. And, you know, then losing Nan on top I went to a very, very dark place. You know, I wasn't online for quite a while. I couldn't even show up, you know, even just as a mom. Like I just – and the guilt too. I know if you're listening and you've lost someone or you're going through a hard time and you're a mother, it's really hard to hide the emotion from your children. And you do. You want to be able to show your kids that, yes, you're allowed to cry. You're allowed to have emotions. It's healthy. But when you're always crying, like – So many times I remember Ryan picking me up off the floor because I was just crying and them seeing their mum like that. And I do remember every time I was crying, I would say to them, this isn't because of you, this isn't because of you. Because to be completely honest, growing up in my childhood, which I didn't really touch on, it it was really, it was chaotic. You know, there's a lot of trauma from my childhood and, you know, my parents did the best they can, but there was a lot going on, which maybe one day I'll open up more about, but I have a lot of triggers from it, you know, from yelling and things like that. So whenever I am emotional, I'm always sure to tell my kids this isn't because of you, because as children, you don't know, you kind of assume things. And, you know, for me as a child, because of the stress too, not that I'm making excuses, a lot of the stress that my parents were going through, I, you know, I was kind of in the firing zone, so to speak. And Nan really was my saving grace. She apps, and I'm not going to go into it too much because there's a lot more to the story, which again, I will touch on one day. But yeah, there's a lot of triggers from my childhood, a lot of triggers. And, you know, then going through this emotional thing in front of my children, I wanted to make sure I wasn't, it's funny because when you're a parent, you just think back, you're like, am I doing something right now that's going to traumatize my child? That's how I think. So I would always think in that sense. And look, it's not healthy to think like that all the time, but something that I just wanted to keep in mind. So yes, I got to rock bottom, genuinely rock bottom. Um, Everyone was concerned I was probably in the darkest place I'd been since I was a teenager, darker probably. Um, and there was even a point where Ryan and I were looking into 
going into like the mental facilities at the hospital just to try to help me out, you know, without going into too much. And I hope this doesn't trigger people, but that's how bad I got. Um, yeah, we were looking into me staying in a hospital for some time because I just did not know how to show up every day. I couldn't get out of bed. I was a shell of a person and I always said like when dad and Nan died, two large parts of me died as well. Yeah, so but I feel like for me and this is a gift I feel like I got from Nan is you need to turn your pain into purpose. You need to learn. You know, diamonds are made under pressure, unfortunately, but I I just as hard as that time was, I know that it's made me grow so much and it's stopped me from just existing like what I was saying earlier because I was just existing. I was always waiting for the next thing. I always felt not good enough and it made me realise like someone like my dad who was waiting till retirement to live his life and he didn't get to get there. My dad was only 68 when he passed and it truly made me wake up And for someone like my nan, yes, she was 93 and she had a full life. She was so positive and those were the biggest things I took away from it. So when I was in that really low point where Ryan and I were looking into hospitals and things like that, there was this place I always wanted to go and it was this health retreat and you guys would have heard about it before and Ryan's like, let's try this first. You've wanted to go here forever, just go. And I thought as if this is going to do anything, this is not going to change things I'm going to come back and still be the same person, but it changed everything for me. It truly did. It was nearly a whole week with no internet, no phone, no nothing. And I've never done that in my adult life. Even when you think about it, we've never clocked off. We're not meant to be on 24-7. And someone who runs a business and a people pleaser, I would always be on my phone, always answering everything. And I didn't realize it was stopping me from, you know, dealing with that grief. And even dealing with my past traumas and things that I'd been through. And I came back like a new person. And, you know, there's still times where I get overwhelmed and things like that. But it really did put things into perspective. And it made me realize that I need to live for them. I can't stop living my life because of my grief. I can't stop living my life because I might get that imposter syndrome. I can't stop living my life because maybe sometimes I don't feel good enough. And that is all the narrative we're telling ourselves. And that's something that we really need to learn. And it's so important. So I just feel like within the last couple of months, because I wanted to launch this podcast such a long time ago, but I felt like I've grown the most as a person within the last couple of months. I've learned to live in the moment. I've learned that you can't wait You can't wait till you get that job. You can't wait till you save that money. You can't wait till you get healthy or get fit to then be happy because I've done those things, guys. I've, I've gotten to my goal weight in the past and I was more miserable than what I was before. You know, I really wanted babies and then mental health hit me on my ass. You can't wait to start enjoying your life because the thing is you don't know what's around the corner, but we can learn from what we go through. We truly, truly can. And... I just cannot wait to share with you all the lessons I've learned. I can't wait to dive in deeper with you guys. I just feel like this is already a space where I just feel like I'm in your living room and we're having chats and I just feel like I can be very vulnerable here. And I know it's only my first podcast episode, but I'm genuinely excited for what's to come. 
And I know this was probably a lot to take in and it was a big crash course on my life, but I do feel like it is important for you guys to kind of see bits of my life and where I come from and what you can expect. But there is just so much good stuff in the works. I can't wait to bring Ryan on the show next week. And as you would see, we have a lot of good banter. We really do. We're your, we're your typical Aussie bogans that are parents, that are running businesses, that are just trying to get by in life and step up into our best selves. So yes, through all of that, it has led me to I am right now sitting on this couch talking to you guys, recording my very first podcast episode, and I really do hope you enjoyed. I would love your feedback. And if you're listening to this very first podcast, I would love if you would tag me on Instagram and socials so I can see someone's listening. because it generally means a lot to me. You can find me on Instagram at just another mummy blog and you can find my products at Steph Pace Planners. I also have a YouTube channel and TikTok and all the things, but I can't wait for you guys to listen to the next episode. There's going to be so much goodness in and I will see you later. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today's episode of Stepping Up. I don't want this to be just another podcast you listen to, get inspiration and then you don't take action. If there's been something in this episode that will help you step up into the best version of yourself, open up your notes app or your trusty planner and make a plan. And if you love listening to today's episode, please take a screenshot and show me where you're listening from. I absolutely love seeing it. Make sure you tag Stepping Up and Just Another Mummy Blog and make sure you subscribe because you won't want to miss what's coming up next week.